Hello, and welcome to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. I am so glad that you are listening this week. I have had quite the journey this week. I'm dealing with a couple different health issues that I feel like I'm constantly talking about and constantly trying to heal and work on and biohack in every sense of the word. So a big thing for me right now is my, which I don't think I've actually talked about extensively yet, but I have really irregular cycles and my cycle, my menstrual cycle is very long and I, it's been that way for quite a few years now. And I think I have talked about this when I've done like health journey episodes in general, but I do think I will do another updated episode in a few months. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I've been having a lot of ovary pain lately in my right ovary. And it's interesting because I've always actually had pain in my right ovary, even since I was like a teenager. Like I've just had random like shooting pain, let's say. And when that happens, like if you know, 10 is the worst pain ever. Like you need to go to the hospital. It'll be at like, you know, a seven, but it'll only last for like 30 seconds, a minute and it'll go away. And it wasn't very common, but it would just happen sometimes when I would like move in a different way or stretch in a different way or anything like that. And in the last few months, it's kind of transitioned to this weird, kind of like dull, achy pain, and it's more frequent, which is interesting. So it's probably like a three or four when it happens, but it lasts like a longer time. So like multiple hours. And I've had, I've been tested for cysts before and fibroids and endometriosis and PCOS and things like that. And I have had cysts on my ovaries and I know that my right ovary is like the one that gets more cysts. Like I've never, ever had any pain in my left, like no issues whatsoever. So it's just my right. So it's interesting. And now that I'm talking about this out loud, I'm actually thinking that I want to look into actually what the right ovary means in terms of, I guess, like Ayurvedic medicine and like things that kind of equate different parts of the bodies with different emotions and different traumas and things like that, because I'm very curious as to if there's like some other bigger meaning there. And yeah, so I've been having this pain and I, I'm also doing 75 hard right now, which is an interesting kind of collision of the two. So 75 hard is like a health challenge and every single day you have to do certain tasks. And I'm really, really liking it. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really on top of my game. My mental health is actually in a very, very good place right now. My physical health is in a good place too, like aside from this. So, and my cycle is actually doing better in terms of length. So I just had my period, I think last week, And my cycle was 42 days, which is long, like obviously compared to the average of 30, but I've had cycles that have been like 60 days, 55 days, you know? So to see it at 42 is actually encouraging for me. And I know that is a result of part of what 75 hard gets me to do in terms of like 
no processed food at all, no dairy, no grains, no alcohol, exercising every single day, like more exercising and a gallon of water every day and just like these really healthy habits. So I know that that is actually supporting my cycle, but this pain that I'm having is frustrating <laughs> to say the least. And it's, it's worrisome. So I'm going to get it checked out for sure. I, there's a, fl- a fertility clinic that I go to in Vancouver and you have to be referred there. And I was referred there a few years ago when I first started having pain, like pre pandemic. And at the time I was having cysts as well. And they thought I might have PCOS and I didn't check all of the boxes for PCOS. And so there's different like definitions of PCOS. Some people say you need two out of three symptoms. Some people say you need three out of four, like there's different, I forget the actual names, but there's different like diagnosis criteria for it. So with the, this doctor that I was seeing, who is quite, let's say old school, he was following that. And he said, no, I don't think you have PCOS because you don't hit all of this criteria. So at the time it was helpful to actually be in that clinic, like be referred and have somebody to go to who did like an ultrasound and got tested all my hormones. And I actually had all of this data information. So now I'm going to try to go back there and get it looked at because as much as I do think that healthy habits and supplementation and nutrition and biohacks are super important for healing a condition and also being preventative, there is something to be said about managing your symptoms and getting checked out just to make sure where you're at. Now, mind you, when I go and get checked out, I'm just going for the ultrasound. And when I went last time and did the tests and the ultrasounds, he basically told me like, you can try to get pregnant now or go on birth control and that'll help your symptoms. And I don't want either of those things. And so this time when I'm going, it's going to be very similar of like, I'm just going so that I can see what's happening on my ovary and I'm not going to listen to whatever BS advice that you give me. And I'm going to do something more holistic and just a very alternative approach to it. So it's really got me thinking in the last month about my healthy habits and my health choices. And the 75 hard thing is like, when you do such a strict program, it very much illuminates the areas of your life where you actually haven't been super healthy. And for me, as like somebody who has been healthy, somewhat healthy, trying to be healthy since I was 16, I I've always thought like, yeah, I'm decently healthy. I I really work towards this every single day. But when you do these health challenges, it really shows you like what you should be doing. And, you know, maybe the 20% that you're not doing or the 50% that you're not doing. So now I'm actually thinking, and this is like very new thoughts, which is funny that I'm actually talking about it on my podcast of all places. But I'm actually thinking that this 75 hard program, I wonder if I'm actually going to transition it into a year of like preconception health and nutrition program type of idea. So I like don't want to have a kid right now, but I do want to have a kid in the future. And I like, I don't want to say that I worry about it, but when I'm having symptoms of like ovarian pain and longer cycles, it makes it very like front of mind that 
it might be harder to ovulate. It might be harder to have a kid. And like it, I don't want it to be front of mind, but like when you're having daily symptoms, of course you're going to think about it. So now I'm thinking like, okay, if I take this 75 hard program, tweak it a bit and add in different biohacks that support hormones and support the ovaries, can I follow this protocol for a year so that when I am ready to start trying in a year from now, then I actually will be at the state of health that I want to be at and will actually have a better chance of conceiving naturally and these different things and carrying full term. So yeah, I don't know fully what it's going to look like. I'm going to do a, a podcast episode on this and I'm sure I'll talk about it on Instagram as well, because I know that there's a lot of women out there who really struggle with conceiving. And I don't think there's a lot of people who actually talk about preconception health. You know, like there's a lot of people who talk about fertility and there's a lot of people who talk about pregnancy and postpartum, which I think are all valuable, very valuable, but there's a distinction between fertility and preconception, right? Like fertility is, okay, we're struggling to get pregnant. How do we both become more fertile? Whereas what I'm talking about is how do we just go from a basic level of health to optimal health for everybody so that we can produce healthier children, smarter children, have a healthier pregnancy. And so it's not necessarily about fertility rates. It's about mom being as healthy as she can during, you know, before, during, after type of idea. So yeah, these are just my thoughts (laughs) recently. And I'm curious, like following a protocol that is centered on very, very healthy habits, how that can promote motherhood, I guess, and like caring to full term. And I've heard multiple people talk about this. I've, I was just listening to a podcast the other day where Dave Asprey's wife was actually interviewed and she had PCOS and she got pregnant at 37 and for, she has two kids. So she got pregnant at 37 and she did the same thing of the year before she got pregnant, she spent taking all of the right supplements every single day, no processed food, a gallon of water, exercise, detoxing, cleansing, like making sure the liver's doing what the liver should do, balancing the hormones, getting tested, like all of these different things because she was dealing with such irregular cycles and different symptoms than I have. But, you know, she also had cysts though. So it's just interesting. So I, when I think about like a protocol and I haven't written it out, like I really need to connect the dots in my brain and think about it because for the ovaries, like specifically for the ovaries, right? Like there's physical things that you can do. So physical things would be like red light therapy on your ovaries every single day, castor oil packs, a hot water bottle, massage, acupuncture, and stretching as well, right? Like stretching the abdominal area, stretching the legs, stretching the thighs so that the muscles surrounding the ovaries and the reproductive organs down there are not tight and also causing tension, inflammation, and that type of thing. So that's like the physical things that you can do. You could also do cold therapy too, actually. And then we have to think like internally, right? So like what are the best supplements to take to support reproductive health for women? What herbs does that include? What types of vitamins, you know? Obviously, we want to be taking like methyl B vitamins, 
things that are like folate, you know, different things like that. And so, and then obviously nutrition, like nutrition is huge. And, and again, like this is different for everybody, but this is kind of where I'm at. And I think there's a lot to be said about removing things that you're sensitive to. So I'm sensitive to lactose and gluten. And I know that because I've had food sensitivity tests done and I've had my DNA done that said, Hey, look, like your biology actually doesn't jive well with these things. So me actually being more paleo works very well for my body, but it's also like taking out processed food, right? Like removing almond flour crackers that you buy from Costco, removing like keto chocolates or keto granola and and making things from home. And yeah, it's a lot of work. Like I'm not joking. Like this is a lot of work to eat no processed food or very limited processed food is a lot of time and energy. But if your goal is to balance your hormones, have better cycles and have a kid, I don't know, like in my mind personally, like that is not even a sacrifice like that I will do without question. So I'm thinking a lot about this. I'm thinking about what it looks like and the balance between supporting hormones in the ovaries and preconception health without overstressing yourself as well, because I don't want to create some sort of 10 things you have to do every single day list. I mean, maybe, I guess it depends on how hard the things are. But there has to be a, a, like a balance of not being too stressed and resting and giving yourself that break. So yeah, I will definitely be discussing more about this. I wasn't planning on going this in depth about it, but here we are. And I actually want to mention just closing this loop. I have an aura ring and I love my aura ring. Okay. Like I've had my aura ring since 2019. I want it on an Instagram giveaway. Can you believe that? People actually win things off of those. <laughs> like the amount of giveaways people tag me in, I never win. I never ever win. But I won this giveaway and I was so excited. I was living in New Zealand at the time. Aura ring, Aura sends me a ring to New Zealand. It's great. I have it. I upgraded last December, got Gen 3. It's great. It's fine. And I love it. I love it for everything activity, sleep, whatever. And I actually do have a discount code. If you want it, message me. They're so stingent with discount codes. <laughs> so if you want it, I will send it to you personally. I also track my cycle through using Natural Cycles. So that's this app that you take your temperature every morning with a thermometer. You put it into the app and it's FDA approved. And it tells you, hey, look, this is when you're going to ovulate. This is when your period's coming. And that's because your temperature changes throughout your cycle. So in the first half of your cycle, in your follicular phase, on day one, when you get your period before you ovulate, like the first 14, your temperature is lower. And then around ovulation, you get a spike and then it stays high until your period comes. That's like the very, very simplified version of it. And so natural cycles can predict when you're going to ovulate to help you plan or prevent pregnancy. And so Natural Cycles and Aura Ring recently collaborated. And I saw this and I was like, so for it, okay? I was so for it. I was like, yes, this is what I want. I want the tech companies that I love to collaborate. I want you to make my life easier. 
tell me more. How's this going to work? So essentially it's like aura takes your temperature through your, the ring on your skin and it syncs automatically with the natural cycles app done, which means no more thermometer, no more basal, basal temperature check every morning. None of that. And so it just does it automatically. And I was like, yes, this is so great. I'm so excited. And I, (laughs) so I've done this now for three cycles. Okay. Three cycles. So it's been automatically syncing for three cycles. I haven't used my thermometer and every single cycle, it has not been able to predict my ovulation correctly. And I was so frustrated. So last week when I got my period, I had no idea it was coming. Like I had a few symptoms and I was like, hmm, this is odd. And as somebody who has an irregular cycle, like it's not like I'm like, oh yeah, it's been two weeks. Like it's time. Like it's kind of all over the place. And so my period came and I was worried because I woke up that day with really intense cramping in my ovary. And I was like, oh my gosh, I actually think I need to go to emerge because I've been having this pain in my ovaries. Today I wake up and it's at like a seven everywhere. And it's like, this is a lot. And then I get my period. And that's like, I usually get cramping on the first day of my period. So that's not a new symptom for me to have. But I was so frustrated because I wasn't prepared. I didn't know what was coming. Like my app didn't say, hey, Brittany, your period's due in a few days. Like none of that. And I was frustrated because it's actually not very accurate. So if you are using the Aura Ring right now in combination with natural cycles, or you're just using the Aura Ring to track your cycle, I don't suggest it because it's actually not as accurate as your basal metabolic temperature when you put your thermometer in your mouth. And I emailed Natural Cycles about this because I went into my phone, into Natural Cycles, and I was like, okay, I'm not using Aura anymore. I'm going to switch back. And they don't let you switch back. You have to email customer support to say, hey, I don't want to use Aura anymore. I want to use this old way of doing this. Switch my account back, which is absurd. Like, pardon me, why can't I just switch it back? I was very frustrated. And so they asked for like feedback and I wrote this whole thing of like why it's inaccurate. Um, And my email was very blunt (laughs) as they can be. I was like, I'm not looking to be convinced to continue using Aura because I was just pissed off about it. So I don't suggest you use that. And Aura, I think I love Aura, but I think Aura just needs to stay in their lane. Like I don't think skin temperature is precise enough to be able to predict your ovulation. And it kind of bugs me now that they're trying to market towards females more through this channel when it didn't work. All three cycles, you inaccurately predicted my ovulation for the first time. I've been using natural cycles since I think 2018, and this has never, ever happened before. So Nope, not here for it. Not here for that collaboration. The last thing I will say is in my research, when I was kind of taking a look back at tracking my cycle, tracking my temperature, everything like that, I actually was listening to a different podcast about somebody who's talking about PCOS. And she uses something called OVU Sense. 
OvoSense, let's say. And this product, I cannot believe I have not heard of it. As somebody who is very much into health tech and biohacking and like female health, like I'm very shocked that I haven't heard of this. Anyway, so it's a tiny little device that kind of is like the size of a tampon. And you actually insert it vaginally when you sleep and it tracks your temperature and it, there's no signal from it, no Bluetooth, nothing like you connect it to your phone the next morning. So there's nothing like, obviously, cause I would not be for something like that if it did that. So it tracks your temperature and it's more accurate than tracking your basal metabolic temperature because when you check your temperature orally, if you are sick, if you don't sleep well, if you're hungover, if anything is off, even slightly with you, your temperature will be wrong. And that can inaccurately predict when you're ovulating. So using like taking your temperature vaginally, like that doesn't happen. It doesn't matter if you're sick. It doesn't matter if you're hungover or whatever, the temperature is still accurate. So they are very cool. And I actually reached out to the brand. So I'm going to see if, if I can work with them. They're FDA approved as well. And they have, I'm looking at their product right now. So it's basically like, yeah, like the size of a tampon there's, so you buy the device and then you have to pay for it monthly or all time or yearly. And yeah, this looks incredible. Like this, this looks really cool. So if you want to look into this and you're like thinking about pregnancy, thinking about preventing pregnancy, whatever you just want to know, it's called OVUSense. So spelled O-V-U-S-E-N-S-E. And I will put this into the show notes for you to find, because I think this is really fascinating. And also like, I don't know why there aren't more companies out who are like tracking your temperature like this, or I don't know why I didn't think of this product myself, <laughs> but it's a really good idea. So yeah, it says you place the sensor, you sleep, and then you download the data the next morning. And it confirms ovulation with 99% accuracy. That's insane. That's clinically proven, saves your cycles up to 15 months, works for all cycle types. If you have PCOS or a thyroid issue or you're struggling to conceive, it works for you. And it also has, I mean, this is getting very long in the tooth now, but it also has different information on different types of cycles, which was really, really interesting. So they've studied women who have, let's say like alternative cycles. And there's actually three different types. And I just heard somebody talk about this on the podcast and I'll just go over it quickly. But one is like for women who will have multiple high temperatures and then it'll drop off. And then one, like as in, instead of just low temperatures and then high temperatures, there being like that one curve, there's multiple curves per cycle before they ovulate. There's one woman will have a very high temperature and then a drastic drop the next day. And that one is actually very concerning because that is the one that is associated with ovarian cancer. So looking at that type of thing and like women who have a short luteal phase in conjunction with a very large drop in temperature after the initial high temperature with ovulation. And then there's one more, which I'm forgetting what it was, but regardless, like it's really cool to see data like this come out and information come out about 
different cycles, right? Like not just the BS, like you have a cycle for 28 days and it's normal and there's no symptoms and there's no PMS and there's no, you know, there's just like this beautiful temperature curve. Like I think it's difficult for a lot of women to have repetitive cycles that look like that. I think every single friend that I have has some sort of PMS, has some sort of like abnormality in her cycle, whether it's heavy bleeding or weight gain or like insane bloating or cramping and she can't go to work that day. Like there's all of these different symptoms. So I think the more data that we can track on ourselves, the more, the the more important, the better it is. And so I'm going to look into this and I'll probably just order it today or this week and, and keep you updated because this is the type of health tech company (laughs) that I can definitely, definitely get behind. So thank you for listening to my rant about my ovaries and health and everything. And I will continue to keep you in the loop. And if you have this OvuSense vaginal thermometer, if you have anything similar to what I've talked about, some sort of like preconception protocol, talk to me. Let's chat. I am so curious. So you can message me on Instagram. That's where I'm at most of the time. A quick shout out to the sponsors of this week, Valhalla Vitality, one of my favorites. They produce Hypovar. And again, if you are into fasting and or focus and you want to be able to think clearly, I love their product, Hypovar, which is used to really get you into the state like flow state. It's got THCV in it. It doesn't make you high or anything like that. And it just really works well in the body. And it actually helps suppress your appetite, which I think is really cool. So obviously there's a time and a place for that. We don't want to overdo that. But if you're fasting and you're into intermittent fasting, a product like this is really great. Or if weight loss is your goal right now, something like this is fantastic because it's natural, right? Like we have a cannabinoid system within our bodies. And so when we kind of activate that and support that through THCV, which is a cannabinoid, it can be very effective. So definitely look into them. Everything's in my show notes. It's also on my website. And a shout out to Silver Biotics. The other health condition I'm dealing with is the rash on my legs. I don't want to talk about it. I'm frustrated but silver biotics is helping. It's one of the only things that's helping, to be honest. Silver kills bacteria, kills on contact, right? So it kills bacteria, any harmful pathogens, microorganisms, anything like that, parasites, like it actually inserts itself into the cellular membrane and breaks it open and kills it. (laughs) If you wanted a visual. So that's why I love silver. That's how it works. And topically, there's actually quite a lot of research behind it. So it's been used for so long. It's And it's not colloidal silver. It's actually nano silver particles. So they're smaller, so they don't accumulate in the body, which is why I love silver biotics. And last but not least, Viome. I got tested for again in the summer. And that was my first time testing in two years. And Viome tests your gut bacteria, your oral bacteria, and your blood. And really takes a look at how the microbiome is doing in your body. How is the good bacteria doing versus the bad bacteria? How are your how's your digestion? 
how is your oral microbiome in terms of like cavities and tooth decay and not bad breath and things like that. So it's really fascinating how much data they pull from the samples that you send them. I really suggest getting this done if you're dealing with like persistent symptoms that you cannot get rid of, kind of like me (laughs) right now, whether it's bloating or IBS or skin issues, rash, eczema, anything like that, this is what I would do. Like, I think it's super important to test and not guess. And Viome is one of the people that I recommend for that because they have the full body intelligence test, which does, like I said, like blood, your oral microbiome and your gut microbiome. And that is very comprehensive. So again, link to my show notes. All my discount codes are always biohacking Brittany in all capitals. You can check them out. And I'm actually... All three of those brands are part of my 12 days of biohacking gifts holiday campaign that's coming. Very excited about this holiday campaign. I've never done a holiday campaign or holiday event, we'll call it. And those three brands are a part of it. And so that means that I will be giving away products from them, each brand on a day within the first 12 days of December, and they will be for free. So you could win. And there's going to be lots of content, lots of info. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy this episode. This is with the people from Novos who I love. I think their products are really cool. We They're very new age biohacking tech company, let's say. And we talk about longevity and reducing your biological age and healthy aging in general. And it, it's really fascinating the insight that's provided. And I just got an email today. Their biological age kit is released, which we talk about on the podcast. So this is a test that you do that gives you your internal age, essentially. So it tells you your telomere length. It tells you your biological age. It uses the dundanian Dundin pace clock. I cannot talk. And so, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So when you hear us talk about that, it's now released. So if you want to get your telomeres tested, go for it, go for it. So this is a great, yeah, I can't wait to get tested with this because I'm super curious what my biological age is compared to my real age. So yeah, definitely check that out and stay tuned next week. I'll probably do a personal episode next week, maybe dive into this protocol I'm talking about. Maybe I'll have a better name for it by then, (laughs) but stay tuned. And as always, if you have not followed me on Instagram or TikTok, please do biohacking Brittany and just biohacking on TikTok. And also if you haven't signed up for my emails, you should do that as well. I send out one email a week. Okay. That's it. One a week. That's nothing. nothing, but it's just a place where I kind of do a rundown, like a biohacking newsletter rundown. So I will talk about the podcast of the week. I'll link to some of my social media. And then I actually have a section that's called biohacking in the news. And it will be about whatever's been posted in the news that week about biohacking. And it's been very interesting, like all over the world, all the different articles that come out, blog posts, I've learned a lot and I've learned a lot about actually new products through 
through biohacking in the news. So if you're somebody who's like, hey, I want to be up to date on biohacking. I want to know when your content's coming out. You can sign up for the newsletter right on my website, biohackingbrittany.com. And stay tuned next week for another episode. Thank you so much. Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. I am so glad that you are listening this week. This week, I have Chris Mirabilly on the show with me. He is the founder and CEO of Novus, the first human longevity company to address the 10 mechanisms of aging through its innovative patent pending formulations. So before we get into even what any of that means, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brittany. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you joining me. So I like I tried Novus. Is, is that how you say it? First of all, is, am I saying it correctly? We say Novos. Novos. Okay. Close. Maybe it's um, <laughs> a Canadian thing. Yeah, I tried Novos for the first time, I think it was a few months ago. And I was super, super impressed by how I felt on it. I've tried a lot of different supplements. I've tried a lot of different longevity supplements that claim all sorts of things. And most of the time with them, I feel like they're working on a very cellular level. And, you know, there could be some sort of longevity benefits that are happening, but nothing that I actually feel in my day to day life. But with yours, I definitely felt an increase in energy. Like it was substantial. So, first of all, is that something that is normal? Like, do you experience that when you take it? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fantastic to hear. And that was one of our goals when we started formulating Novos. So, to your point, the core of taking Novos Core is to extend your longevity, which means essentially your health span and your lifespan. And that's the real reason to take Novos. With that said, when we were formulating, we were considerate of the fact that we needed people to take this for the long term. And oftentimes the only way you can get someone to take something for the long term is if they see benefits in the short term. The benefits that we were looking to provide to people was one energy like you are describing, but not like the caffeinated, you know, stimulant form of energy, but more of a well-rested form of energy, if that makes sense. The second benefit we were looking for was to improve mood. And it seems like we have done that in the sense that when we survey our customers after using Novos for roughly about a month, the most commonly reported benefit is an improvement in mood. And what do I mean by that? It's it's typically just uh, feeling more calm. And there's reasons for that based on some of our ingredients, which I'm happy to share if you're curious. And then the third benefit we wanted was to improve skin health. So that's that's a prime marker, at least in most of our minds, we look in the mirror and we we see ourselves every day and we decide whether we're looking old or young, good or not. And so anything we could do to try to improve skin health. And that's also a commonly reported benefit of Novos where people see that their complexions look a little bit better, whether that be fine lines or just skin plumpness from hydration of the skin from the inside out, essentially. So those are the three core benefits we were looking for beyond the longevity benefit. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Like from a customer standpoint, I like I said, like I've taken things and when you take something and it doesn't really have an immediate effect, like you actually, it's hard for you to know if it's working or not. Right. 
it's something like spermidine, right? Like it, it has all of the science that backs it and we should be taking it daily, but it's not like I suddenly am more energized from it or I sleep better or can feel it. So the fact that you guys have these three goals that are actually tangible in your daily life, but also long-term shows how much research and time you've taken into creating this product. And which is probably why you are as successful as you've been so far. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So to that point of the research that we put into this, maybe if I can just give a little bit of background and context about the company. So we brought on some world-renowned scientists in the longevity space, uh, geneticists, biologists, people like Dr. George Church at Harvard and MIT. He's a professor at both schools where he teaches genetics and bioengineering. He was the inventor of the first direct gene sequencing method in 1984. Of our six official scientific advisors, uh, they're all from Harvard, MIT, or the Salk Institute. And I say official because we talk to many, many other scientists in the longevity field that are not on our scientific advisory board, so we don't highlight them on our website, but we're regularly having conversations with the insiders, so to speak, in the longevity research field. On top of that, in addition to them advising us during the formulation process, we looked at many, many different ingredients. We were open to using practically anything. We just wanted to create the best formula we could. And there were many ingredients that were candidates for the formula that we ended up eliminating. Ingredients like quercetin, for example, is, is one that immediately comes to mind. But we, the ingredients we went with, in total, there's more than 190 scientific studies in both animals and humans, many different animal species, that are either showing that they're extending lifespan and health span in the animals, or in the humans, or I should say in addition to that, in humans, they're showing that they can lead to better health outcomes. So it might be reducing symptoms of some sort of health issue, or increasing health span, or in a meta-analysis, it might lead to longer lifespans and lower all-cause mortality. So we have all of these studies and the logic behind how we formulate on our website. If you were to go to novoslabs.com slash evidence, you'll see a very long webpage with tons of, of resources and, and scientific studies and so on, including scientific studies we have since run for the complete formula currently in vitro human cell studies. And we will eventually have significantly more than that in terms of our research. Yeah, that's really great. So I'm curious why you took quercetin out of your formula. Yeah, great question. So we, in, instead of quercetin, we ultimately decided to go with fisetin. And the reason we were considering quercetin and fisetin both was for the uh, impact they could potentially have on senescent cells. So senescent cells are one of the 10 hallmarks or mechanisms of aging. Uh, they're essentially like zombie cells that form from uh, damage. Uh, one of the reasons a senescent cell can form is because a cell is turning cancerous. So it's like your body's way to kind of shut it off, prevent that, that cell from spreading. Now, the problem is typically the immune system should remove these cells, but senescent cells kind of fly under the radar and they can release what's called a SASP. A, a senescent associated secretory phenotype, which is a really, really big word for something simple, which is that they're releasing damaging molecules that then can cause neighboring molecules to also turn senescent. 
And so as you age, you get more and more senescent cells. And the goal is to reduce the number of senescent cells or to at least reduce their spread. So to slow down the spread of these senescent cells. And so quercetin was a well-known ingredient to potentially do this. There are some biohackers that I would not recommend this. And by the way, everything I say is not medical advice, and this is included in that. There are some biohackers that are experimenting with a chemotherapeutic called desatinib and combining it with quercetin to try to destroy these, these senescent cells. Now, I would definitely not recommend that for a number of reasons, but specifically quercetin, the issue we have with it. In speaking with one of our scientific advisory board members, Dr. Pamela Maher at the Salk Institute, who's a world-renowned expert on these specific molecules, the concern was that quercetin could cause unintended damage to otherwise healthy cells. So the ideal is that you're only impacting senescent cells and senescent cells alone. But with quercetin, unfortunately, there's a higher chance of it impacting healthy cells, which would include even stem cells, and in particular, endothelial cells. And, and, and for that reason, we wanted to go with something, uh, you know, the, the whole adage, first do no harm. We wanted to go with something that would not harm any healthy cells, but would then have a favorable impact on the senescent cells. And fisetin fit the bill for that. Now, overall, as a formulation, I mentioned earlier, we do in vitro studies. We did an in vitro study with human cells, and we looked specifically at cellular senescence. And we found that we were able to have what's known as a senostatic property on the senescent cells. In other words, we were able to prevent those senescent cells from spreading. And not only that, we reduced the size of those senescent cells by almost 50%. And when you compare this to the gold standard longevity drug, prescription drug, rapamycin, which if you care to, we can talk more about. We were we had a similar impact on senescent cells as that prescription drug. But with our formulation, of course, everything we have in it is natural and available over the counter. Yeah, I love that. And I appreciate you explaining that because I take quercetin right now for longevity, but also because it reduces histamine, like when you take it with food. But I haven't heard about some of the things that you mentioned. So that's definitely something that I'm going to look into further. And that's the point of having a podcast like this and having the biohacking community, right? It's like constantly changing what you're taking and figuring out what's best for you for the outcomes that you want. And sounds like we previously said, like you guys have done a lot of research to kind of help people get there. Yes. And to that point about histamine, so I, I would consider myself somewhat of a biohacker myself. And I've personally had issues with histamine, especially allergies, seasonal allergies, cats and dog dander, certain foods. I found actually that I, I was able to very significantly reduce my histamine levels with something you wouldn't expect. It's It was actually just getting more of the crucial essential vitamins in, into my diet, specifically vitamin A, seemed to help a lot, vitamin E to some extent as well. I believe I was deficient in those. And by getting more of those into my diet, I've essentially, I, I can now live with a beautiful rough collie with hair that sheds like crazy and have no symptoms whatsoever. Whereas before I wouldn't be able to be around a dog like that. I had experimented with quercetin many years ago for the same reason that that you seem seemingly are. And I found that this in the long term, it, it's not overnight, but in the long term, this worked better for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I should get my vitamin A and vitamin E levels tested. I do a lot of like testing on myself, but whenever I do certain blood tests, 
it actually never really includes vitamin A and vitamin E, probably because they're blood or blood, they're fat soluble vitamins, but I guess you can do vitamin D. Hmm. Anyway, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm going to have to look into this (laughs) further, but I want to talk more about aging. Of course, like it's such a massive topic and I'm definitely not somebody who is like anti-aging and even really likes when people say that because I do think we should kind of embrace it. But on the other hand, like what are the signs that people can see in themselves if they are aging at a faster level than they probably should be for their age? Yeah. So I'm similarly not the biggest fan of the term anti-aging. Unfortunately, every so often we might have to use that term for the sake of people on the internet being able to find us or comprehend what we're doing. But generally speaking, we prefer to refer to ourselves as a longevity company because longevity communicates something different. It's about extending your health span and lifespan. It's not about being quote unquote against aging, so to speak. What are some of the things people can do to understand how they're aging? Well, you know, one thing is the most obvious thing that we've done since the beginning of time is we see our reflection in the water. And I guess now in in mirrors, we can see ourselves and we can see how old we're looking. And there, there is some truth to that, though it's not the full truth. The truth that there is to that is that our skin is an organ, the bones underneath our skin, the adipose tissue or fat between our bones and our skin are all parts of our body that will change with time. You have less fat in your face as you age, your skeletal structure changes, your skin starts to age. And so these are some organs and some telltale signs of aging. There's actually, and the next thing I'll talk about is epigenetic tests and what you can do with those and how you can leverage them for longevity. But there, there was a, a study done where they were looking at the epigenetic age of individuals and they were all, I believe, 40 years old, chronologically speaking. And then they took the combination of the 10 youngest people, the 10 closest to the mean of 40 years old, and then the 10 oldest people, again, based on their epigenetic scores or their epigenetic outputs. And they took these 10 photographs, they did it for males and females, and then they had a computer simulate the combination. They basically merged these faces together. And when you see these faces side by side, you see the average 40-year-old, you see the older 40-year-olds, and you see the younger 40-year-olds. And especially if you compare the younger to the older, it is like a night and day difference. The older looking 40-year-olds, these are people aging more quickly. These are people that may have been smoking cigarettes, spending too much time outside in the sun, not eating properly, and so on. They look they look unhealthy. They look like their skin is thinner. They have more wrinkles. They have deeper circles around their eyes and so on. And they look closer to like 47, 48, 49 years old. And then the people aging slower, they look like they're in their mid thirties probably, or even early thirties compared to the average 40 year old. So that, that is one thing you can look in the mirror, but that's not enough for a lot of people, especially biohackers. You want to have actual real answers. And so that's where the epigenetic test that I was referencing comes in. So an epigenetic test It looks at what's known as your epigenome. So everyone's familiar with their genome nowadays. It's what are your genes? But your epigenome is where that question of nature versus nurture comes in. So nature being your genes and then nurture is your environment. So environment can include supplements and exercise and sleep and diet and so on. 
And so your epigenome is essentially which genes are turned on or which genes are turned off. And if you think of an analogy, your genome is kind of like piano keys and your epigenome is the piano player. And that piano player could be playing Tchaikovsky or it could be like a kid just crashing down on the keys, right? And so ideally they're playing a symphony. And and as you age, there are certain genes that turn on that shouldn't turn on and certain genes that turn off like repair genes that shouldn't turn off. And there are patterns to this. And scientists, starting with Steve Horvath in around 2014, I believe, came out with the first clock. And since then, many other scientists have come up with many other clocks that look at these patterns and use different mathematical models to be able to then get closer and closer to figuring out how old someone is. Now, the first generation clocks were focused on trying to pinpoint someone's chronological age. But as time progressed, the scientists realized that that was less important. What's more important is to figure out how old someone is biologically. And the answer to how old someone is biologically is associated essentially with their mortality risk. So if you're 90 years old, your risk of mortality is probably hundreds of times higher than it is when you are 15 years old. So there are many different clocks out there. We've investigated as a company what is the best clock out there currently. We've spoken to many scientists in the field and authorities, and that has been determined to be what's known as the Dunedin Pace Clock. The Dunedin Pace Clock was created by researchers at both Columbia University and Duke University. It's called Dunedin because that's a region in New Zealand where there is a cohort of people, approximately a thousand people, that have been followed for 45 years. Their blood being sampled and different biomarkers and their lifestyles and uh, tons of data points. It's one of the most complete data sets for a cohort over such a long period of time. And they use this to then base their epigenetic clock on, and they can output the pace at which you are aging, your rate of aging. And so if you're average, you're going to age one year per chronological year. So your output would be one. If you're aging faster, it might be 1.1, which means you're aging 10% faster than the average person your age. And then, of course, if you're below one, you're aging that much slower. I was very, very fortunate with my outcomes, though not without a lot of sacrifices and discipline throughout my lifetime. My my result was 0.69, which is an outlier for, according to the lab that ran it. In fact, other results we can talk about, like my telomere age is that of an eight-year-old, and I have other epigenetic test outcomes. But 0.69 basically says that I'm aging 31% slower than the average person. I'm almost 40 years old now, and my biological age from other tests puts me in my mid to later 20s. Are you concerned about aging on a cellular level? Did you know that over time, aging occurs due to decreased cellular quality, and that each time a cell divides, cellular quality and health is reduced due to shortening telomere length? Over time, low-quality and unhealthy cells should be destroyed and recycled by the body. However, the modern diet prevents this activity, known as autophagy, from occurring at a sufficient rate. This combination leads to the process of aging and the prevalence of chronic disease as we age. Luckily, we can use herbal extracts to support aging and longevity on a cellular level. These are a couple of my favorite. 
So I love using spermidine, which has been studied for years due to its amazing effects on increasing lifespan. Research has concluded that the life-extending effects of spermidine come from its ability to increase autophagy, which is the natural process of recycling damaged and unhealthy cells in the body. This also includes glycoastragonol, which is an exciting new herbal extract that lengthens telomeres. It literally reverses the effects of cellular division to protect against further damage and cellular aging. Youthavar by Valhalla Vitality provides these two powerful herbal compounds, spermidine and glycoastragonol, to combat and reverse the aging process. Youthavar was formulated with synergy in mind. The synergistic effect of increasing telomere length and autophagy simultaneously has previously been untapped. Valhalla Vitality also has a powerful NMN supplement called Niovar, as well as a fantastic nootropic called Hypovar, which is made from THCV. This is a minor cannabinoid that helps with mood, energy, focus, mental clarity, and reduces appetite. And this is actually the supplement I take every single time I fast because it helps me focus and helps with weight management by reducing my appetite when I'm fasting. You can find all of these products on my website and also linked in the show notes and make sure to use my discount code biohackingbrittany in all capitals for a discount at checkout. Yeah, I find that super interesting. I've had my biological age tested in different ways. So like I've had my gut tested and they gave me a biological age. I've had my blood tested multiple times and they've given me a biological age. It's kind of like a fad almost right now, but I've never done the epigenome. And so that's super interesting. I am definitely going to look into that after this because I would love to know what it is right now. And then also like if I implement new lifestyle changes or a new diet for six months and retest, like I wonder as well how quickly we can improve the results through the daily choices that we make. Yeah, great question. So first of all, when it comes to the epigenetic clocks, I can't say anything officially, but I would just say keep an eye out on novoslabs.com. When it comes to how often you can retest, it really depends on the test. So I'll just clarify a few points. So I mentioned the Dunedin pace clock, which tells you your rate of aging. Then there are other epigenetic clocks, also known as methylation clocks, because the epigenome is based on methylation of DNA. These that th- Those that give you a specific biological age output are less accurate than the Dunedin pace clock. And it takes longer for you to see a change in these clocks. I like to give the analogy of somebody who is driving a car you can adjust the speed of your car instantaneously by pressing the brake or the gas. But in terms of changing the distance that you've traveled over a long journey, it takes time. If you want to go backwards, you need to re- like stop the car and go in reverse. And if you've already traveled 100 miles, how long will it take you to get back to 90 miles? A long time, right? Compared to just changing your speed. So if you want to be able to see changes quicker, the Dunedin pace clock is your best bet. Now, how quickly can you see a change with Dunedin pace? You're looking at the shortest time interval. It's about three months. Now, we as a company, Novos, we suggest that you actually consider going 12 months though. And that might sound a little disappointing at first, but I'll I'll clarify why. You don't have to, but we say that because of seasonality. People's lifestyles change significantly depending on the season. For example, the time between Christmas and New Year's, what's your life like then 
your diet, your alcohol consumption, your stress, your vacationing, your time outdoors in the sun, getting vitamin D production and nitric oxide and so on from the UV rays compared to the summer. I'm sure it's significantly different. And so this introduces confounding factors. And if you want to be as accurate as possible, you want to minimize confounders. So we tend to suggest like maybe make a very significant change. It's not one change necessarily, but if it were just the, take the example of Novos, maybe you add Novos core, Novos boost, you change to a longevity diet. Uh, like we have on novoslabs.com slash diet, you maybe change your exercise routine, make sure you get enough rest. So you're basically following an entirely new longevity lifestyle compared to something else that may have been, say, focused on athletic performance, maybe. Maybe you took stimulants for focus at work, right? So everyone has different goals. But if you focus on a longevity lifestyle and you wait 12 months, that's where you're most likely to see a real benefit and change. doesn't mean you can't do it after three months. It's just you have to go in realizing that other things might change and it might confound the results. Now, very quickly, I'll just say that the other clocks, you're probably going to have to wait more than a year to be able to see any results. And you also have to consider the margin of error, which is higher. It's probably, it depends on the clock, but it's oftentimes around four years or so. And so you might have a result that says you're 30 years old biologically, and then you get another result that says you're 31 biologically or 29 biologically. That's still well within the margin of error. And these clocks are typically applied to populations in studies. So it's got, you know, 50 people or 100 people in the study. And in that case, it averages out to an accurate biological age because the overestimates are canceled out by the underestimates. But when it's applied to an individual, it's not going to be as accurate. So that's something to just keep in mind when you're considering which, which clocks to rely on and to what degree to rely on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think in a perfect world, at least for myself, I would want to test every season and then take the average number and then go off of that. And I would also want to make sure that I'm testing at the same time in my menstrual cycle, because when I've had other tests done, it really does make a difference if you are getting tested, you know, during your period versus ovulation and that type of thing. So I I don't know if that would impact it as much. But if we're talking about stress on the body, it probably would. So it would be really cool to track data in general for a year like that and then be like, okay, this is like my average number and let's see what I can do about it. But for a lot of people, like that is just too much and it's too much data, it's too expensive, all of these other things come up. So we've talked about skin and looking in the mirror and then we've also talked about these tests But is there anything else that you kind of think is like a really good marker of how you're aging, whether it's like energy or I don't know, your stress levels, libido, I don't know. Yeah, well, so, so libido, believe it or not, is not necessarily the best thing because for example, especially for males, high testosterone is associated with higher libido. Higher testosterone is also associated with shorter lifespan. So it's not clear cut. It might indicate that you're more young and virile, but it doesn't mean that you're going to live a longer lifespan, which is actually an important point to bring up. You have a lot of quote unquote anti-aging doctors that prescribe growth hormone, 
or testosterone therapy. And they say that it will make you younger. But when it comes to actually improving longevity, that's actually not the case. It can shorten lifespan. It might make you feel younger in the short term, but you might also be accelerating your aging in the process. So I just wanted to get that out there. To your question though, I launched a blog maybe about two months ago. It's called slowmyage.com. It's a personal blog. It's it's not related to my business, but it's where I post my my biological test results. And then I'm also planning to shortly start posting about my lifestyle, everything from my diet to my exercise routine, my hacks and experiments that I run on myself and how those experiments work out. So on there, I talk about everything from the more, I would say, invasive ways of testing through blood and paying a lab. So that would be like the epigenetic test I mentioned, but I have a total of seven different epigenetic clock outputs there. I've got telomere age. Uh, But then when it comes to your question specifically, what are some things you can do at home? Well, One is pulse wave velocity. So pulse wave velocity measures cardiovascular. Maybe I should take a step back and just mention that the age is a complex topic. Like we tend to think of age in a very simple way of like, how old are you? And when it comes to biological age, different organs can have different ages. So you could have had a really rough life with alcohol, for example, for a long time, and maybe your liver aged quicker than another organ in your body, right? So so I think it's important to consider testing different aspects of your health. And these epigenetic tests give you almost like an average across your body. So they're still very valuable and important, but it's nice to be able to do tests on an organ level. So that's where pulse wave velocity comes in for heart. And this is something, the Withings scale, I can't recall what model number, but they're it's actually not available through the US because of FDA regulations. They don't allow them to provide pulse wave velocity. At least last time I checked, they didn't. So I had to order it from Europe. Maybe you could get it from Canada, but you want to check and make sure that the scale you're getting is capable of PWV. And it's basically saying how fast the pulse wave is moving through your veins and arteries. And the faster, the worse, because the faster, the stiffer they are. And you want very supple, elastic veins and arteries, right? So mine, for example, is 5.8 meters per second, which is equivalent to, based on some studies I dug into, equivalent to a 24 and a half year old. So that at the time of testing was negative, like minus 13 years or so from my actual chronological age. Another thing you could do is VO2 max. The best way to do this is to actually get the that go to a laboratory and put that face mask on and they measure your carbon dioxide levels and so on. But not as accurate, but still po- perhaps good enough way and inexpensive way to do it is to use Apple Health on your iPhone. Or I would expect Samsung would do something similar where if you've got like an Apple Watch or other devices that can accurately track your heart rate during exercise, whether that be walking or running and so on, it could then approximate your VO2 max. So that you can do for close to free, assuming you've already got the smartphone and some heart rate tracker. Max heart rate is another thing you can do. So th- this is all cardiovascular, obviously, but max heart rate declines as you age. And there are different formulas for computing it and different scientific papers you can reference for it. But 
Um, there are ways you can test this, like, for example, after proper warm up, sprinting up a hill as fast as you can for X number of seconds and seeing how high your heart rate goes and seeing how does that compute compared to your bio, your, sorry, your chronological age. I've also tested visceral fat. So this is fat around your organs. This is the most dangerous form of fat, more so than the, the fat that you visually see. And for that, Mine was that of a 20-year-old, but that's probably just because I've exercised for so long and stay lean. And then the final thing is on novoslabs.com, we have something called face age. And this is an AI that's trained on a data set of over 12 million people's photographs. And it's able to tell you how old your face looks. I mean, it can also tell you things about your skin health, like if it's too red and inflamed or your pore size, your wrinkling, your, your under eye circles and so on. It's completely free to use. We send you an email with your results and it's just novoslabs.com slash face age to use that tool. Did you know that before the invention of germicides and antibiotics, it was known that disease-causing germs could not survive in the presence of silver? Thus, silver was used in dishware, drinking containers, and eating utensils. Whether it's a weak immune system, dry skin, eczema, sun damage, bad breath, or unhealthy gums, we are all looking for ways to optimize our health and reduce the symptoms we're dealing with on a daily basis. But honestly, it's tough to know what remedy to try what food may be causing the issue, or what will actually work when we're trying to heal. Of course, there are somewhat effective solutions we can get from our local pharmacy, but as people who prefer using the power of nature to heal, using these products don't really align with our values. Keeping our bodies strong is essential to our good health. A strong immune system can protect our body from infection and helps us heal. Silver has been used for centuries to do exactly this. Silver Biotics have taken the old technology of collodial silver and improved it to create the next generation of silver products. Silver Biotics has products for skincare for issues like dry skin and eczema, and I'm currently using their skin gel on the back of my legs as I try to heal the dry skin that I'm dealing with. They have oral health products as well, including a fantastic toothpaste that helps fight bad bacteria with its silver content. It also decreases bad breath, whitens teeth, and supports healthy gums. They have an immune support supplement that can be taken orally, which also helps support our immune system from the inside out. If you are interested in trying silver and you've heard about this and it's kind of been one of those things that you've always wanted to do and try, I really, really recommend Silver Biotics and they are my go-to silver company. You can head over to silverbiotics.com or the shop on my website and use my code BIOHACKINGBRITTANY in all capitals to get a discount, which gets you 10% off today. Again, I really recommend trying this if it's for you, if it's for your pet, if it's for a loved one. Silver is definitely a staple in my little pharmacy I have at home. So that's silverbiotics.com or the shop on my website discount code biohacking Brittany for 10% off today. Wow. That's really cool. I am going to do that after this because <laughs> I'm so curious. I'm so curious what it's going to say. And yeah, thank you for listing different things because it, it is important for listeners to have access to 
kind of assessing their biological age without having to do expensive tests and things like that. So I think like the VO2 max from Apple Health is really cool. I have an aura ring, so I'm assuming that it would sync up and show that. I haven't ever looked, but I'm assuming it would work. Well, so Aura Ring recently released, especially for, I think it's only for the third generation. I also have the Aura Ring, the ability to track your heart rate during exercise. With that said, I was recently watching this this postdoc PhD on YouTube who focuses specifically on biometrics and compares different devices. And he found that the the Apple Watch is extremely accurate for heart rate. It's, it's He compared it against like a polar heart rate strap around the chest. And I believe some Garmin devices are as well, but the Aura Ring was not super accurate for, for workouts. So if you, I can't recall the name, but if you go on YouTube and you search for Aura Ring heart rate accuracy or something to that effect, I'm sure you'll be able to come across his videos. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I've heard people say similar things in terms of like their HRV that they track, but I don't have an Apple watch either. So it would be interesting to have an aura ring and an Apple watch and see what it says during a workout, like see how they compare, but I'm sure people have done that already. And there are YouTube videos about it and that type of thing. So that's definitely good to keep in mind. So Now that we've kind of said like, okay, these are what you can look at in terms of like how you're aging and how well you're doing. Once people know their numbers or kind of assess where they are, what are your like go-to things that they can do to reduce their biological age other than take Dovos, obviously? (laughs) Right, right. And very quickly, I found the YouTuber. It is called, he is the quantified scientist. So he has a lot of really, yeah, really nice content. So what are some things to do to improve biological age? I would say the, you know, a very popular one that a lot of people are talking about right now, but one that is incredibly powerful and is completely free. In fact, you'll save money is fasting. So, and of course there, there's what a lot of people refer to as intermittent fasting, but more accurately is time restricted feeding. So that would be minimizing your eating window or eating only a few hours during the day and then going the remainder of the day and sleep without eating. What's even more powerful is the actual fasting. So trying to go more than 24 hours without eating, of course, as long as you have enough body weight and you have med- your medical doctor okays it and going as far as 72 hours where that is where like most of the biological benefits set into place. So some of those are, for example, autophagy. Autophagy is where your body is, it needs energy, it needs calories, and you're not getting it externally from food during the fast. So your body needs to source it internally. And the body is very smart in terms of which cells to 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 take that energy from. It's going to select the cells that are weaker or older or might have DNA damage to them rather than the brand new healthy cells, right? So in this constantly fed world that we live in compared to evolution when we had the feast and the famine we don't have famine anymore and that's something that has it been to our benefit it might be painful to go through the experience of not having food for an extended period of time but it is undoubtedly very healthy for us in fact there there's a study that i came across that looked at i believe it was saudi arabians and looked at their diet 
and basically concluded that their diet is extremely unhealthy. It is one of the more unhealthy diets out there, but yet surprisingly, oh, sorry, and they're also on average overweight and so on, but surprisingly, they had lower incidences of cancer. And the theory is that that is based on the period in which they fast every year, right? And so because of that fasting, they are theoretically removing these cells that are damaged and have DNA damage, and then they are reducing the likelihood that they are going to be impacted by cancer. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I... I've fasted a lot in my life so far in different ways. I've done longer fasts, I've done shorter ones, a lot of intermittent fasting. And there's such a, I always hear two sides of it, especially in the biohacking world. It's almost like, well, it's almost like the biohacking world is very pro fasting because of all the reasons that you just said. But then if you step more into like the wellness world and especially like female health, there's a lot of people who are against fasting and say it's too stressful for the body. It like disrupts hormones, hormonal balance. It can mess up your menstrual cycle. So I always hear these two narratives and I'm always trying to kind of figure out how that fits in for female biohackers. Like how can you get the benefits of fasting for longevity, but also have healthy balanced sex hormones every day and not delay ovulation or have any eruption in your menstrual cycle. And I don't know if you know the answer to that, but that's kind of the debate that I'm always going through when I'm trying to figure out how long I should fast for. Right. No, it's, it's a very good point you raise. And I think the first thing is to determine what your goal is, right? So there are all different philosophies on health and something that ultimately made things very clear to me was the idea of antagonistic pleiotropy, which is the idea of the biological concept with a big name for something that's very simple, which is what is good for you today can come back to harm you in the future. So something sun exposure, if you get a lot of it, you might raise your vitamin D levels and nitric oxide and your endorphins and feel great. And in the short term, it's great for you, but it also increases DNA mutations. And so your risk of, of a melanoma in the future also increases. Now, it's not that perfectly clear. There are some studies that show that having the right amount of sun can reduce your risk of melanoma, but you get the point that what is good for you today might be bad for you tomorrow. And so if you look through the lens of longevity and you ask the question, is fasting good? Well, yes, fasting is good. Now, how much fasting? Well, that's a very personal question in terms of your body weight and how healthy you are. Like if you're obese, you can fast much longer than someone who has, you know, a 12% body fat or 10% body fat. And then the question of the hormones, well, will it disrupt hormones for females especially? Yeah, it very well can and likely will. To what degree is that interfering with your, your physical health, your psychological health? That's something that you need to assess on your own and determine what you're willing to do and what you're able to do. I would say that a similar question comes up with the ketogenic diet. I've heard many females uh, feel like a ketogenic diet just doesn't work well for them hormonally. And I would say I'm not female, but ketogenic diet doesn't work for me hormonally either in the long term. I could do it for a week or two. But then I start feeling the effects in terms of my mood and my motivation and my libido and so on. So 
What I would say is a compromise, if you want to have you know, the best of both worlds, is to consider a fasting mimicking diet like Dr. Walter Longo has uh, popularized. So you can research fasting mimicking diets and find it's a hypocaloric diet. So it's much lower calories, but it's satiating. There are, there are ingredients that are not going to stimulate mTOR and IGF and so on nearly as much as other food groups would or food types would. And so you can also, when you follow one, you can get a lot of the benefits of fasting without actually having to fast. Now, not necessarily all of the benefits. But it's like Pareto's principle. Maybe it's 20% of the effort for 80% of the benefit. And for most people, that's more than enough. So if hormones are a real issue, I would strongly consider doing either shorter fasts or exploring something like a fasting mimicking diet. Are you always feeling bloated after you eat? Is your body aging faster than it should be? Are you feeling anxious or having trouble focusing? Are you tired all of the time? I think we've all felt these things at one point, but addressing the root cause instead of just the symptoms is tough. And it's hard to kind of figure out what the root cause is. Your microbiome and your cells play a critical role in the way you feel and your body's resilience to stress and aging. Your gut microbiome can be considered the chief architect of your health with trillions of microbes in your gut, helping you digest food, absorb nutrients, maintain a healthy weight, neutralize toxins, and fight off bad bacteria. Your digestive system also begins in your mouth, and is actually often the first line of defense against pathogens. When your cells are functioning optimally, they produce enough energy to sustain your needs and are efficiently cleaning up cellular waste like free radicals. Viome provides an in-depth test that looks at all of this. They look at your gut microbiome, your oral microbiome, and your cellular health. They use cutting edge mRNA technology and an AI powered platform that helps give different health scores and recommendations based on your test results. They kind of connect the dots on in between what is happening internally and what you are experiencing yourself. I highly suggest trying Viome if you are having symptoms that are persisting and you're kind of at a standstill and you don't really know where to go with your health anymore. I just got retested and I'm so excited to share my results very soon when they come in. I would do the full test, the gut microbiome, the oral microbiome, and the cellular health so you can get a full picture of what's going on with you right now. Obviously, I have a discount code for you guys. It's Biohacking Brittany in all capitals for 15% off. This is actually more than they offer on their website, so it's definitely worth using this code. You can find Viome on my online store at biohackingbrittany.com or linked in my shop on my Instagram account, which is at biohackingbrittany. So again, try Viome and use my discount code biohackingbrittany in all capitals today. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I like that principle that you were talking about earlier as well. For me, I found that I just kind of take it not to the extreme. And I used to intermittent fast daily for like, I don't know, two years or something. And it did become disruptive to my hormones. And now I'm at a point where if I'm hungry in the morning, I'll have breakfast, but sometimes I'll fast 16 hours. And then, you know, once a week, I try to do a 20 hour fast. And that's it. And it's very like, 
not as strict, not as controlled and just more of like within the flow as well. And I kind of think that's the best approach, but I think that's just the season I'm in right now. I know there is research based on women who are postmenopausal and how great fasting can be for them. And so if I was in that stage of my life, I would probably be doing much longer fast daily because I think you're right. Like I think the longevity benefits are so important. And at that point, like hormones are so different and not as big of a issue as they are like during your childbearing years. So it, it really depends on each person, depends on which life stage that you're in. And yeah, I think you just need to do your research and take the time to figure it out, which not a lot of people want to do, to be honest. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's what your podcast is for you to tell them they can listen while driving or walking or working out. Yeah, exactly. And to the point as well, like just while we're talking about this, have you seen any research or know of any data of the difference between women and men aging? Like on general, do in general, do women fast or fast age slower or faster than men? Like, is there anything out there that says anything about that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a fair amount of literature out there about that. Women do age more slowly than men do. They have not only longer lifespans, but they age more slowly. Now, in terms of why is that the case, it's not crystal clear. There's many different theories behind it. One is, so uh, first I should maybe take a step back. Um, there, women had longer lifespans than males. And at first the thought was, well, maybe it's just because of men and their personalities, their propensity to take on greater risk than females do, right? If you consider statistically speaking, in the shape of that curve, men are a little bit offset from females in terms of their aggression and willingness to take on risk. And so one theory was that men might just get themselves in more trouble. They might die in a car accident more often, or they might eat a more risky diet, or they might drink more and get themselves into trouble with alcohol and so on. And although there is definitely truth to all of that, and we see it reflected in the numbers, when we dig in and we look at their rate of aging or their pace of aging, men are also aging quicker than women are. Now, don't quote me on this, but I believe I have also seen that once women hit menopause, they start aging closer in line with the rate of male aging. And so that would largely indicate that a lot of it can be coming down to hormones. I know, for example, as I mentioned earlier, testosterone and anabolic hormones can accelerate aging for men. And although women have more testosterone than estrogen, which a lot of people don't realize, it is still orders of magnitude lower than the amount of testosterone that men have. Also, there are certain forms of estrogen. I admittedly don't know nearly as much about female hormones, but I do know that there are different forms of estrogen. And there is one form that has been found to um, slow down aging. There was a study conducted not too long ago where they put females on hormone replacement therapy, and essentially delayed menopause. And when then looking at a biological clock, they were able to show that the woman's rate of aging was slower. And then when they were taken off of the hormone replacement therapy, and they naturally flowed into menopause, then their rate of aging once again accelerated. So that's something those are some hints and clues. 
Yeah, I did know that like women typically live longer than men, which I find interesting. But it's interesting that women age slower because it, it seems like, and it could, I could just be so biased in saying this, but it seems like women are much more concerned about how quickly they're aging than men. And obviously that's a product of our society. And it's like a much bigger discussion of like why that is. But it's just interesting that we actually are still aging slower than men. And yeah, I wonder why that is. I think hormones play a big part in it. I think women, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do women abuse drugs less? They drink less. They make less reckless decisions with their diet. I don't know. Like there's probably so many factors into that. Yeah, they tend to. Like for example, females, I believe the statistic is that females contemplate suicide more than men, but there are far more men who actually are commit suicide than females. So um, and that shows up in the numbers. So yeah, women tend to, to I, I don't know, think through things more than men do oftentimes. And men tend to just take action more than females. Again, I'm saying tend to, it's not definitive for everyone. We actually, we ran a, a survey at Novos, which I think is kind of funny and interesting related to this topic to try to understand why people were interested in Novos and in longevity in general. And there are all different cohorts or psychographics, if you will. And uh, what was interesting was that there's one psychographic that is focused on avoiding disease. We call this psychographic healthy Heather. And then there's another one that was focused on just living as long as possible, longevity Larry. What we found was that there were far more females in the healthy Heather category than the longevity Larry and far more males in the longevity Larry than females. And when you look at that data, of course, we can't conclude this, but what it it seems to be is that men are more interested in the final destination, the goal of living longer. Um, and how they get there, they'll figure out on the way. And women are more concerned with like what might go wrong on the way and they want to avoid any illness, right? Any disease from taking place and they want to be as healthy as possible for as long as possible. So they both want to get to the same destination ultimately, but women are thinking of what can go wrong and trying to avoid that. And men are thinking of the goal at the end. It's just, I thought it was very interesting to just see the difference. It was the statistically significant difference in terms of the frequency of males and females in each of those groups. Yeah, I, that is very interesting because I wonder, yeah, I would have to like reflect back on my own reasoning and see where I kind of lie with that. But it's probably... Yeah, it's probably with the females, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, it's or probably maybe a bit of both. I don't know. Yeah, I would, I would. And, and I, yeah, I should clarify, like all of us, like, we, so there were more than just those two categories. And we all find ourselves in like a combination of all of them. We were asking what is the primary motive or the primary concern for longevity. And so yeah, the question would be like, what are you most concerned about or care most about another category was like looking young, right? Everyone wants to look young, but is that the primary reason you're into longevity or is that a secondary or tertiary reason? Yeah, I think that's true. I think I definitely feel like that, like it outward appearance for sure, but also as a biohacker, like longevity, obviously I want to increase my health span. And I kind of think of when I'm older, yeah, I mean, we're getting into like the weeds here, but I just kind of think of, I don't want to be 
stuck at home, not being able to do anything when I'm older. And if I have grandkids, I can't hang out with them because I don't have the energy. Like all of those things are those like situations I picture are kind of like my motivation as well. But I wouldn't, I would have to think about like the order of motivations for myself. And it's really cool that you surveyed your, you know, your population to kind of see where they're, where they're at. Right. Yeah. Well, to that point about energy, then you would be in the category of energetic Eddie. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's, yeah, there's all of these, these different categories. So, That's uh, funny. yeah. 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 So if people want to connect with you and they're like, okay, great, I'm sold. I want to try this Novos product. Where can they go? How can they find you? Yeah. So novoslabs.com is the website. At the least, I encourage people to check out our blog. We have more than a hundred scientifically referenced articles written by MDs and PhDs on the topic of longevity, including different lifestyle tips and so on. So at least as a knowledge resource, and I didn't mention this before, but we're a public benefit corporation. And this is in addition to donations and many other things that we do, we want to inform the public ways that they can extend their health span and lifespan for free without having to purchase one of our products. Now, of course, we hope that you do, but it's not a requirement for you to, to benefit from us. So novoslabs.com. We're also novoslabs on all of the social channels from Instagram to TikTok to Twitter and Facebook and so on. And then I mentioned earlier, I have my personal blog. It's slowmyage.com. And I'm also on Instagram and Twitter as slowmyh. Yeah, I will definitely add all of those links to the show notes and it'll be on my website as well. So people can find you and Novos really easily. And I really do encourage people to try it. So thank you so much for coming on today. This was great. I learned a lot and I know my listeners definitely did as well. Of course. Thanks for having me, Brittany. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.